Over the past few years, moderate Republicans have seen their numbers dwindle at the Kansas State House as increasingly ideological lawmakers took charge. A new organization, with former Senate President Steve Morris as a founding board member, hopes to change that equation. I'm Clay Wirestone, the Kansas Reflector's opinion editor, and I sat down with Morris and GOP operative Mitch Rucker to learn more about their plans. Yeah, so uh, happy happy Monday morning to you. Um, tell me a little bit about this uh, project that uh, you're involved with and and launching this month. The project is a 501c4. A 501c4 is an entity that's set up for mainly education. In fact, 51% of the resources for a 501c4 are dedicated to, to education. And the need is that we want this entity to be able to educate voters about issues and about candidates that are on the right side of those issues. And that's basically uh, the purpose of the 501c4. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, even, even taking it a step further is, uh, identifying the, the, the voters who are kind of with us on those issues is, I think, um, a, a challenge that, that, you know, kind of more moderate or centrist candidates have had over the years. We know that they are out there, um, and that they're willing to turn out at least every so often in a, in a primary. Um, but you know, it's, it's, uh, also I think part of our work to identify, um, those voters and to help get us and, and, and them organized around, around a set of, of ideas that we do agree on. So drilling down a little, a little more, gentlemen, uh, I mean, what do you see as the, the need in Kansas right now? So like what's, what's pushing the creation of this educational entity, you know, why, why do you think it's be, it's needed at this point? I believe that we have a legislature that's out of touch with the majority of Kansans. Give you a couple of examples. Medicaid expansion. I think that some 70% of Kansans support Medicaid expansion. And uh, the legislative leadership has refused to let it come up for a vote. It actually passed several years ago when Brownback was governor, but unfortunately he re- vetoed it and there weren't enough votes to override the veto. Uh, that's to expand a little bit on Medicaid expansion. Ninety percent uh, of the cost is paid by the federal government. And I think it's a win-win to get the 170,000 people in Kansas, uh, provide them with medical care. And uh, that way, some of the uh, hospitals and other medical facilities that have to eat that cost will be helped. A lot of the hospitals are struggling, and I think that will help them. And it would be a win-win for Kansas and certainly help on economic development. So that's one of the issues that uh, we're concerned about. But in general, I think that the legislature has migrated too far to the right. You have a supermajority of Republicans in the legislature, the legislative leadership telling them what they can do and what they can't do. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just to expand on that, to, to put some numbers, because I happened to be, you know, working in the state house at the, the, the time that he mentioned when we did have, um, you know, about 40 Republicans there in the house 
at the time who would, um, you know, who were not only supportive of Medicaid expansion, but who were willing to vote to override a veto of Medicaid expansion by Governor Brownback. And to go from that um, just, you know, five or six years ago uh, to where we are today, where they will not even allow it to have a hearing, I think is uh, is one example of just how far um, these ideological, you know, uh, folks have have taken us to the to the extremes and the real impact that it's having on public policy here. Another issue is the flat tax proposal that came up last year in the legislature and the governor vetoed it. And if you look at uh, what will happen if flat taxes passed, it'll be a major tax cut for wealthy and well-to-do people and a tax increase for everyone else. And if you look back to the Brownback years when he engineered a severe draconian tax cut, it took several years for the state to recover from that, and I would certainly hate to see us go back to those days. Yeah, not only would it be a, a tax increase for most people, but it would be a major hit to the state general fund. Yeah, you know, Steve and, and Mitch, both of you um, obviously have have worked in the Kansas legislature in in various in various ways, from from higher to, to lower. Um, uh, what do you think has changed? I mean, Mitch, you mentioned this, you know, the, the Medicaid passing not very long ago, um, from in, in the legislature. You know, what do you think has changed over this, you know, this five to 10 year period? I think that, uh, many of the legislators are, that have been elected are, are really hard right. Uh, We've gone to hard right from when several years ago, when I was involved with the Senate, uh, we had majority of the of the Senate and the House either in the center or center right or center left. We didn't have the extremes of hard left or hard right, and I think the hard right is where we are right now. And, and I don't believe that the majority of Kansans are there. I think majority of the Kansans, majority of Kansans, are in the center or center right or center left. Yeah, I, I think the senator put it just right. I mean, we've seen a change in the the, the focuses, I think, or the, the reasons, the motivations um, for people. Um, you know, when they when they come to Topeka, you know, it maybe it used to be more common that folks were there to to think about good public policy and how we could, um, you know, do do good things to to help the people of Kansas. And now it seems to be more about. Um, just creating partisan fights and, and making sure that you seem hard right or, you know, seem conservative enough, um, you know, for the, for the next election cycle rather than doing the work of, of trying to build consensus and, and reach across the aisle to, to actually get things, uh, accomplished for, for the people of Kansas. So let's, talk- oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say in the past years, we had a, a coalition of moderate Republicans and Democrats that worked together to do good things for the state, and, and we were successful in doing that. But I don't see that bipartisan cooperation happening now. 
Well, and I would add that even on the national level where you just saw Democrats join with Republicans in the U.S. House of Representatives to pass just a temporary funding patch, you know, that might be costing the Speaker of the House his job just because they had some bipartisan cooperation to pass 45 days worth of of funding. That's very true. Um, and, and I think that, that is probably the, the, the bigger, you know, the, the big example of kind of the maybe the, the issue we're trying to take a bite out of here is that, uh, you know, in, in our current political environment, there's a cost. There's a political cost to anybody who does, at least on the Republican side, not, a, not a, more so than on the Democratic side here anyway. Um, but there's a political cost to trying to reach across the aisle because of, you know, our partisan system. And, uh, you know, that, that we see that playing out, uh, you know, on the big stage in Washington, D.C., but we are certainly not immune from those same challenges, um, that are, that are, you know, kind of baked into the, to the two-party system, um, that's, you know, right here at home. So let's, Talk a little bit now about about Kansas first or Kansans first. Kansans. Kansans first. Um, obviously, uh, this is something that's probably been in the works for a little bit. So if you guys could tell me what kind of response uh, are you hearing from folks as you describe this uh, this new um, organization? What kind of feedback are you hearing? I'd say people have been, uh, very positively been receptive. Um, folks are frustrated, I think, with the fighting that they see coming out of all levels of government, you know, federal and, and state, and, uh, the lack of any seeming desire, uh, to, to work together. Um, you know, we at least used to, used to, to see that as an ideal worth working towards. And it, it's, you know, hearing hearing our, our legislative leaders talk, it, it sounds like that's not even something that they want to do anymore. And people are fed up with that, at least the ones that I talk to. And uh, they, they, they need, they feel the need um, for some way to organize and hold people, you know, some uh, accountable to the to the center, you know, to um, the center that, that you know, we can all kind of coalesce around and that's what we're we're building Kansans first to be and uh, yeah people seem to to be hungering for for something like that thinking back to 2016 we had uh, a similar entity called Save Kansas Coalition and we were somewhat successful with that coalition with able we were able to to help get uh, some moderates elected and because of that in 2017 the brownback tax cut was reversed, and then that started the state on the road to financial recovery. But then uh, nothing was really done after that, so we lost that uh, impetus, and, and now we're back where we were back then. Although, I mean, on the positive side, with those budget changes, I mean, the state is now sitting on, I don't know, what is it, 2 or $3 billion in the bank at this point? I mean, Kansas is in a much different fiscal state situation than it was for most of the 20 teens. That's right. And the argument against Medicaid expansion by some in the legislature said that we can't afford it. Uh, this, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's absurd. 
It, it is. And, uh, yeah, and certainly we're <laughs> the legislature that, that's there now and will be coming in is, is in a much different situation than, uh, they were in when, when I was a staffer, um, you know, looking at, at, you know, several, uh, you know, digits of worth of red ink, um, on those budget profiles. Um, but you know, it, the environment obviously is very different. A lot of that, uh, we, we can't attribute all of that, the, the current surplus, um, you know, to that, to that tax reform. Obviously a lot of it's one-time money from the federal government and, and, uh, you know, all the, the funding that came out during, uh, the pandemic. So, um, you know, it's, it's a different situation, but I, I hope that they are, are willing to exhibit some restraint, um, and, uh, you know, just again, be responsible stewards of, of our state government. And I'm not sure that the legislative leaders that we have in there right now, um, are the ones who would, uh, you know, who, who, who have a, a key desire in being good stewards and, and, you know, won't try to do something ideological with it that'll, that'll put us right back in the red. Like yeah. a flat. <laughs> now I'm going to paraphrase this, but I understand that. The majority leader, Senator Alley, made some comments the other day saying that he would prefer tax cuts to spending money on health care. Yeah. And I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised. It's it's funny, though, too, because I feel like the relative robustness of the state um, budget right now, it really is is almost a bad situation for moderates of either party. Because folks who are more ideological are not being called to account for kind of bad spending decisions or, or bad fiscal policy beliefs because you've got this kind of cushion in the treasury. Whereas, you know, I think before during the 20 teens, you know, there was all, there was this kind of cut, cut, cut mentality and people could actually see the consequences of that. Um, you're not see, so much seeing the consequences of that now. Um Except in the stuff that we have, we're not being able to do, like Medicaid, for instance. Um, so talk to me a little bit, uh, about the educational part of this. Uh, what, what kind of education are you looking to do? What are kind of the, um, what's the plan there? We certainly, you know, have, have wanted to build a, a coalition of, of, those of us who, who do reside closer to the political middle. And, you know, one, one of the challenges, um, you know, is, it, is that it's a group of, of folks where we have differing policy beliefs, different policy, um, mot- motivators, um, motivations for, uh, what gets us interested in, in politics and the, and the public policy process. Um, and, you know, so we have to do some education on a lot of different, um, issues and find where we can um, build that consensus. A lot of this is just finding out where where those of us in the middle are. We have to um, find each other and, and start to get organized. So that will be, I think, around um, issues like Medicaid expansion. You know, some of these things where we do have kind of seventy percent, uh, you know, seventy percent of us agree. You know, that that's something worth doing. Uh, we got to find, you know, more of those issues so that we can rebuild the practice of, of, of bipartisanship and of working together to find um, those areas of agreement rather than focusing only on the areas where we where we disagree. I think that's a habit 
that we have lost over the last few years. Um, and I think that, that part of our job in the coming months will be to help us, you know, get, get used to that again. Um, get used to talking to each other again and having these sorts of big picture, sometimes difficult conversations, um, that are still important to have. 501c4, we're not able to make direct contributions to candidates, but that's the reason for the education part of this is to educate people on positions of candidates and educate them on the need to address these major issues. Um, talk me through, uh, kind of the, the short, so I guess you kind of, Mitch, were a- answering the question about kind of the short term a little bit in terms of figuring out these areas of consensus among folks in the middle. But what's kind of the more medium term goal? What are you guys hoping to accomplish over the next, you know, year or two? How do you, how do you see the uh, Kansans first developing? Well, I would hope to be successful in helping uh, more reasonable candidates get elected. Uh, I think that in some cases, even a few new, uh, more reasonable House members or senators would make a difference, particularly in uh, override issues. Since governor vetoes something, and, and if there are enough people to sustain those vetoes, uh, that would be one of the short-term goals. Yeah, I second that. And, um, yeah, I, I think short-term, short-term, yeah, and, and probably an ongoing goal will be to continue to, to build the, the, you know, coalition of those of us in the political middle um, and, and make that as broad as, as possible, actually strive to, to, you know, be a big tent where people can, can come together. And, um, and yeah, and hopefully we will be able to turn that into, um, you know, something that we can, we can, we can use to, to get people to the, to the voting booths. Um, you know, and come, come, especially come August, I think that that is, uh, really the, the main challenge is that, yeah, is that we have in, in our partisan system, we have uh, two different elections. And a lot of these people, um, you know, these kind of extreme ideologues, uh, get in there, um, simply because, uh, you know, they win, they win in an August primary that very few people, relatively speaking, vote in. And so we need to, to change the makeup of, of that election and, and remind folks that, hey, we have two elections every, you know, every cycle. And, uh, it's important to vote, uh, both times. Um, if you're fed up with your choices come November, vote in August, um, because that's when your choices get chosen. Uh, so I think that is, is probably the medium, the medium term goal. And I think it's somewhat encouraging to see what happened a year ago, August, with the vote on that constitutional amendment. You had 60% of the of the people voting against that amendment, and uh, that was a much larger turnout in a primary than we've seen in past years. So maybe people are starting to pay more attention. Absolutely. Hopefully, we can you know build on you know build on that. Well, it's it's interesting you were talking about the primary because I was reading a piece and this was talking speaking about the national situation, but it's it's much the same thing, which is that there's a very small sliver of the electorate who actually decides 
who represents a, a shocking number of people in America. It's just those primary voters because we have, at least in the United States, so many safe party seats for like the House of Representatives. And so whosoever is going to be in that safe seat, you know, as decided in the primary election, like that's that's the ball game, And that's whoever t- turns up and turns out in August. Right. And it, it and it really is just as simple as, as showing up in August. And we, we see that people do from time to time. Um, and which is that we need to do that on a on a consistent basis uh, in order to have to, to build long term sustainable, uh, you know, power and actually, um, you know, have a strong a strong middle, um, you know, to tether, you know, our, our more ideological friends too. This will probably never happen, but I, but I would like to see an open primary. Mm. That would a lot of problems, but we'll probably never see Kansas. Um, so, um, in also in talking about Kansans first, are you guys uh, willing to talk about some of the, uh, some of the folks that you're, you're working with or some folks that are, are part of the, the team with you right now? Yeah. So, um, I'm, I'm really excited that, uh, you know, I'll be able to work with, uh, uh someone named Chris Courtright. Um, he has, uh, graciously agreed to, to join our board. Um, it is a bipartisan board. It's going to take a, a, a wide group of people to to you know make this effort work. And um, yeah, Chris, uh, he he was an economist uh, for a, a long time, recently retired, but has agreed to come help us out. And then um, you know again, so that we can uh, you know work to to establish again, work from the same set of facts, and and uh, again use use policy as as kind of what we are able to. Um, to, to organize around and again, just kind of define what what the political middle means. So I'm 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 really excited to work with with smart, well-intentioned people like that across the state. That Chris is an expert on tax tax history and tax issues, probably as much as anyone else in the whole state of Kansas. Yeah. Um, and I also have to ask, uh, given that a month or two ago we uh, we heard from. Governor Laura Kelly on this podcast, she's starting kind of a middle of the road, uh, pack, uh, you know, uh, under her, a uh, kind of under her initiative. Uh, how would you say what you're doing is, is different from that? Well, I think, go ahead, Mitch. No, you, you guys, Senator. Well, I would say it's complementary to what the governor is doing. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we cannot, um, contribute directly to candidates, but a PAC certainly can. And I, I think with her middle of the road PAC and with something like Kansas First, they'll work together. The governor has always, in, in my opinion, been a, a not really a partisan person. I remember working with her when we were both in the state senate on things that were good for the state, and I never did see any partisan uh efforts from her and this is a continuation of what she's tried to do as governor is to to do this middle of the road pack yeah i wholeheartedly agree and you know i think that you know wherever we can we can find uh you know groups who who agree that the center is something worth building up um you know we certainly want to want to work together i think that it's it's good that the governor has um 
you know, started, started her back and, and hopefully, um, this, uh, with its pr- probably more Republican focus, um, will be a nice compliment so that we can build up the political middle kind of on, on both sides of the, of the aisle and, um, and, and, and work together. I've been told that the Senate president Masterson has, has told people that anyone accepts that accepts a contribution from this pact will be kicked off of their committees. Um, which, um, I guess in and of itself kind of says a lot of why you feel like your organization is needed. Exactly right. I mean, that's just the sort of, um, (laughs) um, so, uh, Steve, Mitch, any any parting thoughts about um, uh, what you're what you're wanting to do and what you're looking forward to? Well, we're we're looking forward to as we talked earlier about educating the public about issues and about uh, candidates' uh, position on those issues, and I hope that we can convince enough people to vote in the right direction that we can help this state move forward in a positive direction. Yeah. And, and I think that is, that is our goal. That's our mission. Um, you know, one other thing that, that I think is going to be particularly important that we didn't touch on yet is, is the issue of education and, and of rural education in particular. Uh, you know, this legislature, um, you know, has shown itself unwilling even to fully fund our special education needs. Uh, and, um, you know, meanwhile, we have schools in rural Kansas that are, that are struggling, um, in closing. I shoot the one in my hometown has closed. Um, and, uh, so that is, that is a massive challenge, uh, that our state is going to face in the coming years. It doesn't seem like we have the folks in there in the legislature at the moment um, who are willing or even interested in, in um, working on policy that will do anything to help our rural students. Um, they keep, uh, you know, pushing these these voucher plans that, you know, may be fine for our more uh, populated areas, but uh, certainly aren't going to do much for us in western Kansas. So, you know, I think that's going to be another major issue that we look forward to work on. Um but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it, even more so it is just uh, simply doing the work of finding each other, um, you know, and then you know, trying to strengthen that, that political middle that we used to have in Kansas and that we'd like to, to build back up. Okay. And one other comment, uh, our Secretary of State, Scott Schwab, has said that our last several elections have, have run very smoothly and he was proud of the way they run. But yet we have some in the legislature that are trying to do voter suppression laws. In fact, I think one of those laws is in the courts right now. So I I hope that we can educate people about uh, not doing voter suppression laws that makes it more difficult for people to vote. Well, Steve Morris, uh, Mitch Rucker, thank you so much for coming on the the podcast this week. Um, I appreciate it. Take care. Well, thank you. Thank you.